presents and pretended to cuff her around the head with them. Well, I suppose that is an investment of sorts, I said, slightly relieved she hadn't spent the lot in one splurge on throwaway clothes in Primark, which she was more than capable of doing. I will buy you these trousers because they do look great on you, but please try and budget better, because now I'll be subsidising you for the rest of this month. The one thing your father is good for is money, but you still need to learn how to make it work for you. I had to. She put her head on my shoulder and looked up at me with her most appealing smile. It was hard to resist. She was exceptionally pretty, which I could say without embarrassment, because she looked a lot more like her handsome bastard father than she did me. I knew I was striking rather than beautiful, and I was used to that. I'd been told often enough I was a style icon not to be hung up about it, but Theo was properly gorgeous. "'Thank you, lovely mummy,' she said. "'You work me like a whore sometimes,' I said, shaking my head. "'Go and pay. I'll see you at the bottom of the escalators.' I handed her my wallet, and she skipped off as happily as a six-year-old heading for the swings. I stayed behind, grateful to be getting back into my own clothes, which I was happy to see still looked as good as they had when I got dressed that morning. There was a reason I was a bit of a legend in the London fashion scene, I reminded myself, even if I was too old to carry off chain store tat. Then I put everything back on the hangers and braced myself for the heaving melee that was the sales floor of Topshop Oxford Circus. The craziness nearly swept me away before I even got out there. The corridor in the changing area seemed to be full of young women with very little on, dashing between cubicles, squealing and waving clothes in the air. A pair of pointy pink bosoms bounced past at eye level, and a round black bottom in a bright white g-string appeared between the curtains of another changing room as someone bent over to pull up some jeans. It was all a bit much. I remembered with a shudder the communal changing rooms at Miss Selfridge, which had been the big thing when I was Theo's age. Had we skipped about happily half-naked like this? I didn't think so. My abiding memories were the smell of other people's feet, recently released from cheap shoes, and the constant fear your handbag was going to be nicked. Those changing rooms were one of the many reasons that even as a teenager I had preferred vintage clothes— I'd always thought browsing in charity shops, flea markets and jumble sales was far preferable to fighting for your life in hard-edged, mass-market hellholes like this. But for Theo and her friends, I knew this was shopping Shangri-La, and that's why I checked it out every few weeks with her as my eager escort. As a fashion retailer myself, I had to stay up with the game. I handed our pile of unwanted clothes to the girl at the changing room's entrance, who seemed amazed they were back on the hangers, and then made a break for it. The shop seemed even more crowded than it had when we'd come in, and my head whirled with the music, the crush of people, and the crammed racks of clothes. Despite the sensory overload, I couldn't help noticing, as I made my way through, a shiny black PVC trench coat with a very full skirt— a blouse in a printed sheer with interesting high-puffed sleeves, and a terrific blue-and-white striped seersucker boyfriend jacket. But then spotting the one fabulous garment among great piles of tat was my special talent. My eye was as finely trained as a wildlife photographer looking for a particular kind of ant in a rainforest to finding exquisite old clothes in the wild. I'd always been able to do it, which is why I'd ended up rather prominent in my particular world as a dealer in the finest vintage clothing.
When I was 15, I'd found a Balenciaga couture coat at a jumble sale in the affluent Cheshire town where I grew up. Something about the fabric had caught my eye, and once I'd grabbed it and had a proper look, I'd known immediately the coat was something special. Although in those pre-Google days, it had taken a trip into the big library in Manchester to find out what the name on the label meant. Not long after, when I bought a Savile Row dinner jacket for 20p in an Oxfam shop and sold it to a friend's boyfriend for £2, my future was decided. As I would say to the fashion journalists who often rang me for quotes, I was dealing in vintage long before they came up with a fancy name for it. Needless to say, Theo wasn't at the bottom of the escalators when I got there. I hung around for a few minutes, getting more and more impatient, because I had to get back to the shop before my assistant left, and then called her. "'Where the hell are you?' I asked, exasperated. "'Coming!' she said brightly and rang off.